Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. I am Troy Shockley, and this is the Coffee Break Podcast. Thanks for joining our chat today. Coffee Break brought to you by Cochrane Insurance. We're kicking off a little bit early today because we want to make some time for Democratic candidate for Governor Mike Cooney. He's kicking off the supersized coffee break today. Mike, thanks for taking time. Hey, Troy, thank you. And I wanted you to know I have my supersized coffee with me right now, and I'm ready for coffee break. Thanks. You're ready to go, huh? All right. Well, you've got a couple weeks left. I mean, how, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling great. Um, it's, uh, this, is, this is when you really start feeling the campaign. People are excited. You know, everywhere. You know, we're getting out there trying to be very careful, you know, of course, with the virus. But, uh, you know, when we are able to be with people like we were last night in Missoula, great crowd outside. You know, it's kind of cool, but they're willing to come out. They're excited. They're cheering you on. And uh, I think, you know, we're, we have a lot of great momentum going into the last couple of weeks, and I'm very excited about uh, what's ahead of us. Well, I mean, Montanans have, of course, already started voting ballots uh, in roughly four dozen ca- uh, counties mailed out. I know uh, we've talked about it before, but do you still think that the, the all-mail ballot across most of the state, is, that that's safe, that's secure, people can cast their votes that way and feel comfortable about it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're very fortunate in Montana. First of all, we've been using mail ballots for a long time. I think uh, even before the pandemic and the governor's directive, about 60 percent of the people in Montana have chosen to vote by uh, permanent absentee. So our local election administrators, they know how to do this. Uh, They're very good. They're very capable at making sure they do it correctly, follow the law. I just really don't think, I mean, the only thing I would suggest to anybody is if you have your ballot, don't hold on to it till the very end because the ballot has to arrive uh, by 8 o'clock that evening of Election Day to be counted. So you don't want to throw it in the mail a day or two before, you know, and and I know the post office will work very hard to to get everything delivered, but you don't want to take that chance. That's my only concern is people holding on to it too long. Um, but other than that, yeah, this the, we we're pros here in Montana. We know how to do it. Well, COVID, you know, impacting that, but of course, just uh, pretty much front and center right now in all walks of life, all areas. Uh, the state's seeing a pretty steep spike right now. Uh, not really any signs of flattening. Where is that mm-hmm. coming from? What needs to be done right now to sort of mm-hmm. get a handle on this? Well, I mean, again, I think Troy, the, the problem is, is like everyone, you know, we're we're tired of this. We're and you know, we're just we want to go back to life as as a normal life as quickly as possible. But we do have this darn virus with us, and we know what we need to do. The science and all the medical evidence is there. You know, the number one defense is wearing the mask when you're out in public and when you're around people. Uh, try to avoid large crowds, and when you're with people, socially distant, give people a little bit of space, and just use proper hygiene. Wash your hands all the time. Use hand sanitizer. We, you know, if everybody would do that and take it seriously, that that would certainly be, uh, you know, that would be the best step. And I think where we're seeing these spikes is people are just letting their guard down. They want to go back out and be with people, and uh, and and they're you know like I said they're letting their guard down, and it's starting to spread more and more. And then as the weather changes and we're spending more time inside, that's going to change. And then we're in going into flu season. Um, I went out, I got a flu shot. You know, I we we've got to take this seriously, and uh, that's one of the reasons. You know, just just yesterday or excuse me Monday. You know, I convened a, uh, a group of people of experts from around the country 
uh, in the in the pandemic. They're they're experts with the pandemic, and we talked about you know what we need to do. And this is exactly what the experts said. It's it's you know wear a mask, proper hygiene, avoid large crowds, and socially distance yourself when you're with people. And you know we talked about how we could deploy when a when a safe vaccine is is here. How do we deploy that in Montana and get it in the hands of the right people, the first responders and the frontline people who are out there dealing with it every day, and then and then with other groups within the state that are, are more at risk, and then getting it uh, distributed to the population. You know, and, and what we learned is, yeah, there's a chance we could have a safe vaccine by the end of the year, but it's going to take some real work to get it deployed around the country and get it manufactured. So there's a chance it's not actually going to be available for the general public later in until later in the next year. So we need to we need to do everything to be cautious and to use the best practices. And you know, again, I understand people are tired of it, but I'm getting tired of people more and more people getting sick and more and more people dying and we need to we need to put a stop to it. Gubernatorial candidate Mike Cooney, our guest today. And uh, Mike, right now the state, of course, has issued some guidelines like masks and that sort of thing. But uh, by and large, leaving matters up to local health departments. Do do you think that's the right way to go? Or or maybe put that another way. If you win the election, you're sitting in the governor's office here very soon. uh, Do you change that at all and and issue any additional statewide mandates? You know, uh, statewide mandates, I think, are, are great guidance. But you've got to have local people engaged and prepared to implement those those that, those guidances. Quite honestly, um, you know, if you don't have your local uh, health department and your sanitation people, your local county commissioners and city councilmen and so forth uh, behind it and willing to partner with you, um, that that's gonna that's gonna only increase the the problems that we're seeing now. And that's frankly what we're seeing in the parts of the state where we're we're seeing spikes in communities where the local governments are engaged and taking this seriously we're not seeing the the number of spikes they're jumping on things they're you know when when there's an outbreak they're they're on top of it they're isolating people they're doing what they need to do and if they find businesses that are basically thumbing their noses at the at the directives and so forth they're 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 dealing with it on a local level so i think that's why it's so important that we have the local people engaged, and when I'm governor, um, you know, honestly, we are going to continue to work very hard, you know, to 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 make sure that we're doing everything that science tells us to do to to whip this thing. But we also need we'll be working very closely with people throughout the state, locally, you know, faith leaders, medical leaders, in, in throughout the state. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna engage everybody we can in order to build a, a strong team to get the message out and to work with people locally so that we can, you know, put this virus, you know, get it behind us and get back to life as normal. You know, we got to have healthy people in order to have a healthy economy. And everybody, you know, businesses want to thrive. And if we don't have healthy customers and healthy workers, you're not going to have a healthy economy. So uh, that's why this is so important that we take this seriously. Democratic candidate for Governor Mike Cooney, our guest this morning. And, uh, Mike, we recently reported that the uh, Commissioner of Political Practices found your campaign and violated some uh, finance rules. In fairness, uh, keeping all things equal, your opponent, Greg Gianforte, had the same headline this morning. Um, but wondered if you'd like to address that for us. You know, yeah, I mean, 
first of all, let me just say campaigns are, are you know, they are incredibly, you know, complex when it comes to the financing. And all I know that we're very, very, we try to be as careful as possible. The, the thing that was just talked about uh, regarding my campaign, you know, boiled down to a clerical error, which we have already uh, resolved. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, really, I don't want to I mean any error is important and we, you always want to be spot on. And, and so it's frustrating when, when you run into these things. But I can tell you this, ours was a campaign clerical error. My opponent literally broke the campaign practice law and, uh, and by a big way. And we're talking, you know, like two and a, you know, $250,000 worth of breaking the law. So, I mean, there's quite a difference there, and, and uh, you know, a clerical error is, is, you know, not good, but when you intentionally try to avoid or break the law when it comes to campaign finance, that's a different story. Mike, a fair bit of what you want to do, of course, is uh, continuing things that were started under Governor Bullock, and that makes sense, of course, but uh, what would be different in the Cooney administration? What more do you bring? What plans do you have? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, obviously, with every administration comes new challenges, and we know that there are going to be new challenges. I mean, I'll just, you know, one of the things that we're going to have to do in the next administration is get us through this COVID crisis. Now, the current administration is working on it, and uh, and I've been a part of that, and I've been very pleased with the progress that we've made and kind of the the the, the strategy that we've used to to make sure we're doing everything to get through this thing. But, you know, in the next administration, we're going to have to be looking at how to deploy a vaccine and how to make sure we get the economy back up and running as quickly as possible. So, I mean, that's going to be first and foremost. But I've talked about other things such as, you know, how do we make our education system better um, and, and continue to support our education system so that we are uh, addressing the needs of local businesses and entrepreneurs who are saying, they need a workforce that's prepared to do the work that they need. So that's got to be a focus. And uh, working with uh, our education system, working with the apprenticeship program, there are a lot of tools that we need to employ in order to address the needs of our local you know, uh, entrepreneurs and business people. Now, I will be working hard to uh, bring down the cost of uh, prescription drugs. We've, we've laid out a plan to, to do that right out of the chute, and it shouldn't be partisan. You know, we'll work with Republicans and Democrats to address all of these issues. Um, obviously, we need to talk about climate and moving our energy economy from, you know, the traditional oil, gas, and coal to, re to the renewable, cleaner energy uh, system, you know, that we have in Montana. We, we can produce incredible amounts of solar, wind, and geothermal. Um, we need to move our uh, energy economy in that direction so we continue to be a leader in the energy field in the United States and continue to create those great-paying energy jobs that uh, so many people have relied upon. So, you know, we have a big agenda uh, that's going to be – that we've got to be focused on. And uh, But, again, we've got to get through COVID first. We've got to – you know, we've got to be focused on that if we're going to be – if we're going to accomplish any of the things that I've just discussed. We've got a few minutes left with Mike Cooney this morning, and I want to ask you, Mike, I know uh, you, you mentioned several things there. I know public lands, public access, also something that uh, that is important mm -hmm. to you and part of your campaign. Yeah, no, Troy, that's exactly right. And obviously, you know, public lands is who we are as Montanans. We love to hunt. We love to fish. You know, uh, get out and hike. Just enjoy this beautiful scenery and country that we have right outside our backyards. And uh, when that is at risk, 
which, you know, frankly it is. There are people like Mr. Pendley, who's the head of the BLM illegally right now, who says all our public land should be sold off. Well, I can tell you, Troy, it's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. If they were to put the public lands up for sale, who would buy it? It's going to be out-of-state billionaires and millionaires, like my opponent, quite frankly, who would be able to come in and, and to buy this stuff. You know, he just laid down $4 million just in the last few days to fund his campaign. You know, that's not a Montana value. And so, you know, people like him just feel so entitled to come in and to say, we want this for ourselves, and they'll lock it up, and we won't have the Montana that we have right now. And that's what we need to protect. We need to make sure that we are leaving Montana in better shape and passing it off to the next generation than what we were given. And that, to me, is, uh, I think, really the true Montana value that is, that's really driving me in this campaign. Mike, to, uh, to close this out this morning, the, uh, the Cook Political Report says this is really the only toss-up governor's race this fall in the country. So mm -hmm. uh, even some national attention on Montana right now in the governor's race. What sets you apart? What makes you the right choice? I know you, you've, you've touched on issues this morning, but now is your shot for the elevator speech. <laughs> well, thank you, Troy. Well, let me just say, I'm a fourth-generation Montanan. You know, and, and I, you know, and I don't use that often because there's a lot of people in this state who are adopted Montanans who love this state. But I do think at least I have that connection in those roots. And, I, you know, and I've spent my lifetime working with Republicans and Democrats to deliver really, really good results for Montana. You know, my opponent's a multimillionaire from New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I just have to say that, uh, you know, he doesn't have the Montana values that I have. You know, I've opened up, I've worked to open up over a quarter of a million acres of uh, access to public lands in Montana where my opponent has sued the people of Montana to block access on the East Gallatin River and you know wrote legislation to remove protection from 700,000 acres of public lands in Montana opening them up for anything. You know, I fought for health care in Montana. I was involved with making sure Medicaid expansion passed Montana. 90,000 people now have access. People with pre-existing conditions have protection. And my opponent has uh, worked in Congress to strip health care from Montanans in the middle of a pandemic. And he supports doing away with the ACA that would literally undo all the work that we've done on health care in Montana in the last few years. And, you know, um, you know, Governor Bullock and I have worked hard to get Montana through the COVID crisis, and I'm going to continue to do that. Um, and using science uh, based, you know, to base my decisions on getting Montanans safely health, you know, back to health and back to, to work. My opponent, you know, attends a super spreader event here in Helena and refuses to wear a mask in, in areas throughout his campaign, gathering people. He doesn't take it seriously. He doesn't want to set an example. You know, bottom line is, you know, he's even profited from the pandemic. You know, I viewed this as a crisis, of, you know, of healthcare and of the economy, and he's viewed it as an investment opportunity. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of distinction between who I am and what my campaign's about and where he's coming from. So that's, you know, that's my message to Montanans. Gubernatorial candidate Mike Cooney, our guest this morning. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Troy, it's always a pleasure, and I barely got to sip my coffee. <laughs> well, you, you got plenty of time now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you get back to that coffee. You might want to top it off. It might have chilled off a little bit. You're a good man. Thank you, Troy. Stick around. we got more coming up after this. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. 
local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging with me this morning. And we've got Lewis and Clark County Commissioner Andy Hunthausen in the studio now for our mid-segment of uh, the supersized Coffee Break. Andy, thanks for coming in. Good morning. Great, great to be here. Yeah, I, uh, I, w- I went out there to grab him in the in the studio, and we had a brigadier general with him, and I wanted to make sure everything was okay out there. I thought I've been telling everybody we had the major coming in, and then uh, he changed it up on me last night. He goes, "Oh no, we're gonna we're gonna send Jamie," and well, Jamie's a brigadier general, so we we <laughs> upped a couple of uh, ranks there. That that's coming up here in a little bit, but uh, a few things to talk about, I suppose. I mean, first, maybe get your thoughts on the on the census and how all that finished up. I know you were heavily involved with that. Um, it went through some weird starts and stops and deadlines. And I mean, that, that was just a strange, strange situation. One we probably won't see the next time around. I hope not. Yeah. We're going to wait 10 years <laughs> to find out, but it, it was kind of odd, Troy, the, the, uh, you know, the battles, uh, above our, our, uh, station here that we're going on legally and whatnot to, uh, determine when the census would end and, and how in depth it would be in terms of the counting and and where and all of those kinds of things. So we had to just plug along the best mm-hmm. we could and get as many people counted as we could. And I think we did a good job locally. Um, you know, I we we don't know the the final numbers, but we think that um, you know we did okay. And I, I think we could have done better if we had longer, or if, of course, if COVID was not a an sure. issue. Um, but. I think we did okay. We did what we could. We we got as many people out there. Yeah. As we so could in general, out. our community did okay, and it sounds like Montana. Again, that's sort of the same storyline of Montana did okay, could have done better. Right. And I think that's the that's the downside is that, uh, you know, we we did the best we could with what we had to work with and the time frames we had to work with. But uh, I think all in all, it, it could have been a bit yeah. better. Do we have any sort of sense of you know, did did we do well enough to get? extra representation in Washington, because that was sort of the, that was one of the big carrots at the end of this thing. That's still uh, an open question, I, I believe. Um, but some are saying maybe, maybe we did okay. well enough to, 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 because uh, I've got to think other states threshold. sort of did okay, but not great. Right. So maybe it's, right. maybe we're a little bit on the median. I, I thanks to you and other commissioners, uh, you know, Jamie Shell out in East Helena and a lot of folks worked really, really hard on this thing. And uh, it was, it was important. And I, I appreciate all the efforts that you went through for this. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of COVID, uh, just uh, the county is really seeing a spike in cases over the past week, two weeks, I guess. What are conversations with public health right now? Uh, any additional measures that you're talking about of we might need this or that, you know what I mean? Like, where are we at? Because I think people wonder when's the next shoe, right? Everybody's waiting when we see these numbers. What happens next? Right. It is a challenging time. Our numbers are going in the wrong direction, as we've we've all seen. Um, I think uh, 39 new cases uh, mm-hmm. as of yesterday, probably more than that, but 39 reported. And our hospital is uh, uh, getting overwhelmed and over 700 statewide. So our numbers are going in the wrong direction. So we're we're challenged to try and be as open as possible, yet as protective as possible. And it's a real it's a real challenge. And right now, we're really trying to trying to encourage people to follow the rules, to to just take responsibility, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, try not to go to large events. And if people follow those to to a T, we we would probably be going in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we understand that there's some fatigue out there. It's really you know I, I 
I'm fatigued wearing a mask and following the rules. Oh, I can't go do that because of COVID, or I'm not going to go to this event, or that event got canceled. Um, and that's just the reality of where we are right now, and uh, we are encouraging our community to just uh, step up, wear a mask, wash your hands, and and stay away from, from large groups. And this will be going in the right direction, and, and next summer we're hoping that yeah. things open up fully and we can get back to our normal lives and to some extent. It yeah. would still be yeah. different. But. Is there any kind of actual metric? Is there some sort of... Uh, a benchmark that you've got or that the public health has in your conversations with them of, the, you know, this is the fence post we're heading towards. When we hit that, we have to change things? Or is it more of a just a know it when you see it kind of thing? Well, it's a, it's a good question. I think um, to this point, we've taken more of our guide from the state level, the governor's office and CDC and those kinds of things. Um, but you can tell in other communities across the state, Yellowstone being a good example, and their numbers really spiked. They started talking about more local measures. You know, what are we going to do locally mm-hmm. to try and uh, curb this uh, trend? And so we, we're in the same boat. If we continue to get 39 cases a day like we did this last day, we're going to have to start talking about, well, what do we do? How do we, how do we combat this? And it's not to try and make things harder on people. It's trying to say, how do we slow this down? Yeah. How do we move in the right direction? How do we protect more people and, and maybe save more? lives. And so that that discussion will probably happen. But uh, at this time, we're trying to just get people to follow the existing guidelines that mm-hmm. are in place at yeah. this time. Lewis and Clark County Commissioner Andy Hunhausen, our guest on Coffee Break today. And uh, just in terms of county business, zoning, of course, you know, front and center. Can you kind of share what the commission's current decision and, and stance on that is? Just kind of catch people up on you know, the, give, give us the Cliff's Notes summary of where we're standing now. You bet. So it's been a long process. Over the last couple of years, we've been working on a zoning proposal. That proposal came to a head in terms of working its way through the planning board and all kinds of uh, public comment to a decision by the commission. The commission um, made some amendments to the to the plan and then passed the zoning with a caveat. There was a couple of um, consistent uh, messages, feedback that we got from the public. One, that they did not like the limits on uh, lot size, the 10-acre mm-hmm. minimum limits in the rural. This is a rural area out beyond where our, our uh, dent, more dense growth will be. They didn't like that and uh, wanted to um, come together as a community and with stakeholders and talk about how we could meet the goals of the growth policy minus uh, or with some um, alternatives to the 10-acre minimums so that there would be uh, more flexibility in that zone. So we passed the zoning as is, but but set aside that one piece uh, for 18 months approximately so that we could work with the community to uh, reevaluate it and, and talk with the stakeholders and try to come up with an um, alternative or alternatives to um, the 10-acre minimum. Okay. Yeah, because there was an awful lot of dissent there at those meetings, right? I mean, so it, it puts you in a in, in an interesting spot of how you, uh, as a commissioner and as a commission as a whole, makes a decision on what way do we go? We think we know what way we need to go, and then you hear a lot of people saying, "No, we don't want that." You know, it's it's how do you how do you figure out how to make that decision then? Right. We we really heard two themes. One is you know planning's not bad. We need to plan for the future. We know that. You know, as many as 10,000 people are coming in the next few years. 
Um, so planning isn't bad. Zoning in itself is not necessarily bad. Putting management tools in place are not necessarily bad. But those couple pieces of the plan is what we really heard were problematic for mm-hmm. people. And again, you know, there were, you know, I'd say over the time there were 500 people or so that showed up at one time or another to speak to us. And there's about 30,000 people living in the valley. So we had to take that in perspective. But the overwhelming uh, folks that did show up to participate in the public process were were really concerned about those couple of pieces that we tried to set aside and say, okay, we heard you. We heard you that planning's not bad, but we this this piece of it's not okay and we're going to we're going to sit down with you and, and work it out. So and so now that's an ongoing process at this point. W- that will be ongoing. So within within the next month, I think it is November 19th, we finalized the zoning. We had to wait a month and and uh, go through a, a protest process and then uh, at that time we can finalize the zoning and as well we will put in place the structure for this this uh, working group that will start to work on those issues for um, meeting the goals of the growth policy as well as designing rules for the the transitional area and the urban growth areas that we do not have rules okay. around. So then as, you know, in the future, as, you know, conversations, meetings are going to take place, of course, you'll let everybody know and they can again oh, yeah. sort of say, okay, this is where we're at now. We see where you're going. Input is still going to be possible. Oh, absolutely. And, and we'll have everything's very public, very transparent. We'll, we'll take our time to go through it. We'll offer opportunity. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll meet all the guidelines in the law for public participation and public notice mm-hmm. but we often and al- almost always go beyond that and offer more time for people to participate in the process yeah county commissioner andy hunt has an our guest this morning we've got a few minutes left with him and andy uh, of course uh, a voting going on now the county sending out roughly forty-five thousand uh ballots here a little bit ago uh, i will admit mine is still sitting on the kitchen counter <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to take care of it uh, so is my wife's so it's not like she did hers and looming over me going why is yours still here um it, it's gonna get done but the the thing is we there are options we we can drop that in the mail probably still and be okay but you can also take it to the the, the drop-off location. You can physically deliver these things still. Yeah, you absolutely can. Actually, this this time around, um, voters in some ways have more options than they've ever had. So everyone got their ballot in the mail. You can mail that back in, which I encourage you to do as soon as possible. Um, you can carry that into uh, the city-county building and the, the elections office and vote there if you'd like in a voting booth, or you can fill it out at home, bring it in, drop it off, there are also drop-off spots. We have a drive-through drop-off spot uh, across the across the street from the city county building, and uh, there are drop-off spots in Augusta, Lincoln, Wolf Creek, and Craig, uh, or Wolf Creek and uh, East Helena, excuse me. Okay. And so you can drop your ballots off at those. Yeah. Places. So folks that are in Augusta, they they don't have to to leave the the ranch and come all the way into town to drop that off because I could right. see where people would be frustrated, going, "I don't want to drive to Helena." Right, right. And and if you don't feel like it's going to get there through the mail and for whatever your reason is, you can put it in the secure drop-off box, which that drop-off box then gets picked up by the Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Office, and they, they bring that in physically and deliver it to the elections office. So those drop boxes are secure and um, they're, they're ours. They're the yeah. counties. And, and, and same-day registration and voting, that's still available as well, just like it always is. Right. You can register right now through the, the 26th and still get a ballot uh, by mail or a ballot uh, uh, given to you. But after that, you, you want to come in and register in person and vote in person. So uh, we recommend that 
if you're going to mail your ballot in, which that's working great, and uh, we have great faith with our local uh, postal service. They do a great job for us. But uh, we recommend people mail that in at least a week ahead of time. So anything inside a week, we recommend that you come in and drop it off or drop it off at one of the, the collection boxes. Or you come in and vote in person. You can come in and vote in person. You can bring your ballot in again and vote there. Or you can uh, come And then in. you get the sticker, right? And then you get the sticker. Yeah. I've already gotten my sticker. And one really important thing that I want to tell people is that um, you can track your ballot. So if I mail mm-hmm. my ballot yeah. from home and I'm wondering, did they get it? Did it count? Did it did it get processed? Did my Was my signature good enough, you know, because it's changed over the years or whatever? You can go to myvoterpagemt.com. And you can follow your your ballot, myvoterpagemt.com. And if you can't remember that, go to the county website and go to elections, and you can find this. Um, but you can put in your information, and your ballot has its own barcode, which is which is to your name. And you can say you can see. And I did this yesterday. And my ballot was was ex- um, mm-hmm. was was accepted. Received. Yeah, I, I did that and, last year. And then yeah. you can see if it was accepted and then you can see also if there was any problem with it. Right. If there's a problem with it, you can go in and rectify that problem so your vote will still count. So for example, you said you and your wife's ballots are still on the counter. If you by some chance happen to sign hers and she signed yours, you sent them in, they will catch that and say, hey, you signed the wrong ballots. And you can see that online. You can come in and rectify that and uh, your your votes will still count. So if you are mailing it out, that's a good thing to go in and just, just add that one more check to yeah, the process check, see if it made it and, yeah and it's uh, it's nice it's a nice feature to have yeah andy hunthausen lewis and clark county commissioner thanks for coming in today i appreciate My it pleasure thank you stick around we've got more coffee break we've got a brigadier general coming in right after this in today's always on world your business demands a simpler approach to network security At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash security. This is Coffee Break. Thanks for sticking out with us for this supersized version. And we're squeezing as many people in as we can today. We've got four minutes left. We're going to spend them all with Brigadier General Jamie Wilkins. He's uh, the director of the Joint Staff. Uh, Thanks for coming in, sir. I I appreciate you so much. No, thank you for the invite. This is is, it's a great time for for me to come and visit with you. You know, we're excited about uh, one of our units coming home, and that's what I'd like to visit with you about. Yeah, we've got, uh, what, 246, is that right? 246 folks coming back to Montana? Yep, it's around 240 right now is the number coming back into Montana. And, uh, you you know, I I know we don't have much time here, but they did depart on October 19th of last year, so they've been gone just, you know, just over a year. and now they're due back in, hopefully, this Friday or Saturday. I don't have an exact uh, time for that right now. Uh, but, you know, uh, what I want to point out is a couple of things. We have had to make uh, some uh, changes to how we usually receive units back here in, in Montana and here in Helena due to, you know, the COVID, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and social distancing. So, Yeah, normally it's a, it's a big deal, and, uh, and, and it should be. And uh, we're going to make it as big a deal as we can. But uh, it, it's going to look a little bit different. You were telling me, I mean, we're basically going to have, you know, folks can line up in their cars essentially for a 
for a caravan, right? Right. And typically what we'll do is open up our aviation campus there for the, you know, the, the ramp in front and the hangar to receive, you know, mm. soldiers and their families to have them link up and members of the community can help support that. But due to the COVID uh, and social distancing mitigation, we've had to do is basically limit access to family members to the aviation campus. What that does is allows basically those soldiers to return to their families. They go to their, uh, meet them in the parking lot and they depart the facility. But what we do have is the uh, Skyway Drive, which is located between the airport terminal and the a- aviation facility. And we are encouraging uh, folks to still continue to social distance, uh, but park in their cars or remain in their cars along Skyway Drive and then show those families uh, support as they as they depart so this is going to be on either friday or saturday we'll get that information uh to you when we get it because i know uh dan or somebody over there is going to send me that information we'll be sure to get that information but um yeah and you're the uh you're the former commander for this i mean so this makes it even a little more personal for you it is it is not i will tell you that you know i was the commander deployment in 2013-14 and this unit and their families have have endured more challenges during this deployment than most of us have in the past. Uh, you know, their families here, uh, utmost respect, they've, they've sacrificed with this unit being gone. They've had to deal with COVID by themselves. Uh, they've had, you know, the units had to deal with COVID as mm-hmm. well while they're deployed doing their mission. But at home is where the folks make the sacrifice and the, and the support from the community and around the state and the, and the governor across the board has been outstanding for the for the families as well yeah so uh we're gonna get that information to uh to our listeners as soon as we get it about exactly what day we're looking at it friday or saturday they've been back in the states for a while they've been down uh, in texas going through quarantine but uh they're going to be coming home to montana here in the next couple of days it's not going to look normal but uh we, we can still give them a montana welcome right and one thing i like to point out there is as well as is the unit that's coming back there's about 240 uh, soldiers that are coming back into the state. We have 120 coming to Montana, and the other thing we've done to mitigate uh, exposure is those soldiers that live closer to other major airports are flying commercial in. So about 120 are flying to other commercial airports around the state over a two- or three-day period um, to meet with their families and then go to their home of record. Okay. So that's something a little different than we've done yeah. in the past. But the important thing is, is they were successful. We're getting everybody home safe and we're excited to have them back yeah they've been uh they've been in the middle east for a year folks so uh if if you can get out there we want to welcome them home as best as we can uh finished out the show today with brigadier general jamie wilkins Uh, thank you so much uh for for what you do and what you continue to do for us and uh thank every single one of those troops for me when uh when they come back in we will and i like pass along from uh, major general quinn and the rest of the guard both army and air uh, thanks to Montana, the communities, and all the support that you all give us. So thank you. Thanks very much. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.